Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 17th, 2017. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. So, you're home. Yeah, it sounds like we did this last week, but yeah, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it every week till you go away. It's it's remarkable. <laughs> You're never two weeks in a row home. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, and I, I was telling people I had a campaign meeting last night, so I was telling people how happy I was to be home, that I've been traveling a lot. It's nice to be home. But I've had like something like every night the week I, <laughs> since I've been home. So I still haven't actually been home home where I can actually just <laughs> – Crack open a beer, light a cigar, and watch like the seven thousand hours of TV I have saved up. So we did finish Better Call Saul last night. That's how far behind I am. Nice, love that uh, show. But yeah, so it's nice to be home until uh, our next Antioch cruise, December eleventh, which is going to be fun. And then after that, really, I'm home until the next Antioch cruise on May March eighth. After that, so wow. my wings have been clipped, and I'm actually happy about it. Something tells me you're going to take a trip, though. Uh, you know, your wife's going to throw you out. Something's going to happen. <laughs> we're gonna play poker i mean you're home all this time hey we'll play poker together when yeah, was the last time you and i played poker together other than on the ship yeah i might get a home game together which is perfect because a lot of our show today is about home games yeah so. see that segue there right. you go yeah. perfect <laughs> now uh, folks might remember the i don't know it's been a couple months ago maybe now that we we, we had somebody write into the mailbag and said hey i need help uh keeping my home game alive or freshening it up or whatever it was and we gave some advice and then uh then we got some more people responded and we shared that and then more people responded and we haven't had time to get that on uh but there's like literally going nothing going on in the poker world now <laughs> like, i looked hard so uh, we'll spend the, today talking about some more ideas from fans. And the uh, first one came from Al Zori, and uh, I kind of like this one. He, uh, he starts it off by saying, uh, we treat our home game like a poker lab. Cool. Where we sometimes invent and test out new variations on Hold'em in Omaha. Now, I, I will caution Al and his group, don't go to poker rooms trying to sell these ideas. That is a, not a viable business Model, I can't tell you how many people I've seen walk into poker rooms with little suitcases and try to sell people on a new poker game. And uh, poker rooms do not buy poker games. I don't know though. If he shows up in one of those lab white lab coats, that would might, be impressive, right? They might little, take it like, more seriously. A little uh, Ace of Hearts sticking out of the, yes, the pockets. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, he says uh, they have three rules. One, wild card games are not allowed. Two, the game must resemble something that could be played in a casino. And three, the game must have an element of skill. That's a pretty good base there, I yeah. think. Right? And I'm going to go on a limb and say I think we've probably played one of the games that he's invented. I, yeah, I think that we've had a variation of it. I think he got excited when I told him what the variation was. But, well, we'll see. Maybe it's the same one you're talking all about. Right, maybe. All right, here we go. 
All right, first game. Uh, oh, anyhow, he says, here are a few of the better inventions that came out of our lab. Number one is split them. Each player gets four cards after the flop, and before uh, the betting, they split them into two hold'em hands. It plays like hold'em the rest of the way. Uh, the best of your two hands can win. Uh, and he says, this is, uh, by side note, this turns out to be a good shorthanded game. And I think that's really the advantage here right now. Now now you're keeping people interested because now you're not just getting seven deuce and having to decide, do I want to play shorthanded and, and bluff? Now I've got two hands, and uh, I can make one actually viable out of the two. So let me ask you, so you get all four and you can decide how to split them up, right? Yeah, so that's really I'm assuming cool. It looks, yeah, that's right? what it looks like. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. So you can take all four and go, oh, this is awesome. All right, cool. I actually, uh, that might be interesting actually now because, I mean, a lot of this is like, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, Pineapple and some of the games that we play, you know, you get into situations where you have to split up your cards and it's not an easy decision, right? Right. And some of, probably some of our longest tanks in our home games have been over a... <laughs> Which card to throw away in pineapple? There's no betting involved at that point. Now you got to decide: do I, do I do I keep my pair or do I go for the flush? So here, I think I think it'd be kind of an interesting scenario where I mean, obviously, we'd love to get like two aces and two kings, right? And then that that'd be a great hand. Yeah. Uh, but there might be times where you decide you want to break up a pair and have two flush draws or two straight draws or um, like for example, imagine a hand like Jack Jack ten ten. What do you do with that? Yeah, yeah, that's true because you don't, you don't want. <laughs> that's right, you don't because you know you're making I mean, two I'm of sorry, the same I'll, hands. Or you, I would keep it Jack Jack ten ten. Yeah, I, I, split I would add Jack Jack ten ten with the Jack and uh, two suits. Yeah, no, I right? I think I'd still keep them two pairs. See, that's what makes it exciting. I would split them up. I'd go for the two uh, two royals there and have a. <laughs> <laughs> because again, because jacks and tens are are good hands, but not great hands, right? Remember, everybody says a poker. What do you what do you do with jacks? You can't do anything with jacks, right? <laughs> well, here's the scenario: you break them up, and now you got two jack tens. Now, obviously, you're not going to win with pairs at that point because you killed some of your outs. But now you've got. Uh, I don't know. I, well, I, mean, are, I guess are there high hand pots in this home game? <laughs> if there's high hand pots in the home game, I might I might keep the uh, jack tens. But yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, That's an interesting question. That's a good one. We look, we just spent five minutes on the first one. We got a lot more to go here. It's awesome. All right, game two, Cactus. This is a high-low game. Each player is dealt five cards. To qualify for a low, you must have all five cards, nine or lower, in your hand. The high plays like Omaha. It's a flop game, right? Uh, it's got to be a uh, flop game, right? Yeah, it plays like Omaha, so it has to be, right? But you have five cards in your hand that are lower, that are lower than nine. And then you what you use two with the board for the well I don't understand that. Um, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, that's why I'm wondering if it's a flop game. Well, he says you must have all all five cards must be nine or lower. Oh, oh, in your hand, he said. Yeah, you're right. In your hand. Yeah. Yeah. That would be difficult because if it, yeah, if it has to be in your hand, then I don't I don't get it because that that would be. Not so workable. unless you must have all five it's cards, all five cards have to be nine or lower. Though. Nine or and nine or lower in your hand. So is it uh, a nine or lower low? Because if it plays like Omaha and you're using the flop, I, I don't know. I, I this is a prickly game. I, I don't know. It must be a flop because in the beginning of the thing, he said our home game is where we test out variations of Hold'em and Omaha. He's not talking about playing five card draw or anything. So it must be that you must have five of those low cards in your hand to go for the low, but then you just play a low. And hold them. I, I guess. I, I don't know. It, this is bizarre. It must be that. 
I mean, that could be. It could be where you play for a normal low where you use two in your hand and three on the board, but in order to win the low, you have to have five all five cards in your hand being yeah. nine or lower. Yeah. And nine, too. That's such a peculiar... Like, why is it nine? Well, again, yeah, if you have to have all five cards in your hand, even though if they don't play them, then I think you have to. Yeah. Raise the qualifier. Raise the qualifier, yeah. Okay. Jeez. I wonder why they call the cactus, too. I'm disappointed you missed my prickly joke. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you know, when my brain starts working on one task, it's hard. (laughs) I'm not a multitasker when it comes to recording our show. I am when it comes to work and stuff, but when we're doing the show, I'm focusing on trying to figure out what this is about. But yeah, I'm sorry. I, let's let's re-record that. Go ahead, say it again. Yeah. I'll laugh. Uh, that, no, no, that's all right. I need pity laughs. All right, his third and final game is called Flippity Flop. Flippity Flop, and, and it's another high-low game. Each player is dealt four cards. It plays like Omaha Eight, except that two boards are dealt out: two flops, two turns, two rivers. The top board plays for high, and the bottom board plays for low. Um, and no low looks like I cut it off. I'm sorry, but I think if it's there's no low, um, then uh, deal all uh, high. Yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I should have cut it off. Bad editing. <laughs> oh man. Um. So this is the one that reminds me of the games that we've played. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's like double flop o- Omaha or Juarez. Juarez. Juarez yeah, is one river. I yeah, I told him, hey, uh, <laughs> this reminds me of a game called Juarez. And he's like, oh, my God, that's great. So we've been having a conversation about Juarez. I'm like, oh, wait till you play it. But <laughs> Yeah, it's not great to play. It's the type of game where you look at the board and you're like, I got the nut, nut. And then someone turns around and goes, no, I have this nut. How do you? And you're like, oh, man, because no. everything is out there, basically. You play them. If you're playing like eight-handed or seven-handed and you have two full boards with Omaha cards out, pretty much every hand is out. Exactly. It's yep. sickening. And, uh, of course, our friend Faso likes to call this game Laredo. Yes. <laughs> Don't know why. But uh, we were introduced to Juarez at uh, the classic Binion's poker room before it gave up the World Series to the Rio and everything. Yeah, uh, during the Antioch meetup. Yeah, at the Antioch meetup. That was a classic, classic meetup. Faso stormed out of there mad at me. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we saw a fist fight in an Omaha game, two tables down. I mean, it was yeah, that was a uh, night, man. That, that was, was some night. All right, um, so here's my problem with flippity flop in our game. You know how, because uh, we, we play double flop a lot in our game. Uh, not a lot, but it gets called maybe once Probably a game. once, yeah. And um, <laughs> the biggest challenge for our players, and it's almost like um, – you know, a grammar thing, like who's or who's, you know, yeah. where you're like, it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who apostrophe S is a possessive and whose is not. Oh! <laughs> so, but in our, in our game, there's always somebody that's like, oh, I've got jacks on the top and I've got a flush in the bottom. And I'm like, there's no flush in the bottom. And he's like, oh, well, and then you point, so oh, that's the top. <laughs> so people can't keep the tops and bottoms straight and it drives me crazy it's not hard yeah it was it's they just they look at six and they look at a nine they don't know which it is it's six is it nine because it's upside down to them i mean when the dealer puts out the board it, it's top is the part of this one from them and the bottom is a it doesn't matter where you are it's in relation to the dealer yeah it's like baseball everything is in relation to the batter left oh. field is to the left Stage right. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so that's it's not a big deal in our game, other than just frustrates me because I mean your cards play, so your cards are turned over, you figure everything out, right? But right. here, if you're if the top board is the high board and the bottom board is a low board, that could cause some problems in our game. Yeah, because at that point, people are playing thinking one board is the other one, and it's not, and then at that point, it's it's a moot point. Yeah. 
But I love the idea that these guys are coming up with these things, racking their brain. I've never actually done that before. I've never actually thought of a poker game that we could play. Like, you know, Doc was really good with that. He would listen to other shows or read things and stuff, and he'd come to the game with a prepared game that he heard about or something. We would try it, and very few, if any, of those games, though, that we've ever introduced, not just him, but all of us, have ever ever stuck around. We basically just keep playing the same ones. But I could see, like, I could see, like, that first game that that we saw here from Al, Split Him. I could see that game, like, sticking around. You know what I mean? In our home game or something, if somebody called it. Because that's pretty cool. It's almost like, I know you don't play table games in a casino, but there's there's one that's a real soccer game called uh, Blackjack Switch. It's the same concept. You get four cards, and then you could you can move the cards around however you want. So you know if you get ace and a king, and you put that down, you get your blackjack, and then you play your other hand. Um, so that's probably where this idea came from. I would think it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a definitely a game that has some um, legs to it. Um, again, we're, we're not quite sure on the rules of cactus. So we might need a clarification on that, and then. Flippity flop, you know. I, I I would argue get away from the top board's high, bottom board is low, and just have a high and a low on whatever board, and you get more action out of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, you get more action, and it would take longer though. That the one thing about these games is it does take a long time. It's I know stud takes a long time because there's more streets and there's more betting, but this takes a while too because it takes people a long time to figure out what they have on each board. It really you'd be surprised. Oh yeah, yeah. But it does. So you wait yeah. for them to bet, and they're kind of looking at the board, and they're like looking at the board, looking, and you're like, "Hey, no, it's your turn. Hang on." You know, <laughs> it does take a while. Uh, you probably get uh, pro- proficient at it eventually, but it does take some time. Um, but yeah, you're gonna get some serious action in that game. People are gonna stick around for half, no matter what, and then they're gonna get quartered. And, this is the kind of game where you can get sixteenth. You know? <laughs> you oh know, yeah. You, know, you yeah. got three guys going for the low, and there's two. Oh man. But I, we just call ours Juarez. So. Uh, with one river, so it's the same as Juarez, except there's one river. Yeah, yeah, that's good that you brought it. I was going to make sure we clarify this before when I go. Tell us about Juarez. So it's the same thing. It's just one river that right. the river card is shared by both boards, which makes it exciting. I actually like that better as well too. So, yeah. so a spinner. There's and, nothing yeah. like a spinner hitting both boards for you. Oh man, oh, yeah. that's exactly, like the sweetest yeah. thing ever. <laughs> oh, and then we had one more listener write in. Uh, didn't really create a, create games, but some ideas for folks that like to play tournaments in home games. Uh, this comes from Scott McClintock, and he says, I've been hosting a home game for at least the last 10 years. The most significant element we added was that we now have a main event at the end of the year, week 51 of the year, in which the winner gets a 1000 bucks. Uh, we pull one buy-in out of the pot each week that goes toward the main event jackpot. Um, so that ends up with uh, $1,500. So that means 1000 of the winner and 500 of the second-place player. To qualify for the main event, you, you have to have played in at least half of the weekly games, which is 25 over the course of the year. And they track points each week based on position the finish of the tournament. And then for the main event, your starting stack is the traditional weekly starting stack of 5,000 units plus your points for the year times 10. This structure rewards guys who show up regularly and those who do better on a regular basis. The chip leader at the start of the main event usually has around 10,000 units with everybody else having additional chips since you have to have played in at least 25 of the weekly games and win the points along the way. The initial chip leader has yet to win the main event. That's interesting. Wow. Uh, but it is nice to have a larger starting stack when there is a $1,000 jackpot on the line. This structure has definitely kept guys coming since they want to qualify for the big game at the end of the year. We have a trophy, and that winner gets his name engraved each year, it sits in the barn where they play. Oh, man, I'd love to have a barn to play oh, in. Oh, wow, playing in a barn. In the poker barn. That's pretty cool. 
Uh, now he has one more other idea here, but I want to chat a little bit about the the main event there. I, you know, I like this idea. Um, I've heard other people do variations of this as well. It's a good way of, of getting people to come every week. So you know, you know, you have a game because they know if you don't come, uh, you know, they don't qualify. Um, obviously, if you get towards the end and and you're not going to hit 25, there's really no incentive to come and have your money siphoned off to go to something else. Yeah. But, what I would suggest, and then what I think some other people do, um, that might be an interesting idea, um, is that you'd have to do more than a thousand. Well, I guess there's some main event, or I mean, World Series events that are less than a thousand now. Um, but you have that player play in a World Series event, and then everybody shares in the winning. Yeah, we've heard that before, right, with some of our listeners. Right. Yeah. So now, now the, somebody gets a trip out of it. So yeah, maybe you have to give them a little. Maybe, maybe you don't have a second. Maybe it's a winner take all, and you know, give them five hundred bucks for airplane and and lodging, and uh, then then everybody in the game has to sweat, no matter how much you've you've played. So I mean, you get a portion of it based probably on the points here. So you know, you could do it that way, where you know, if you you were first in points, <clears throat> your share of of the guy's winnings if he wins. Yeah. Uh, I have an idea too, or a question maybe. And I know you sometimes you edit these down, edit these down too. So I want to make sure. So let's say uh, his normal home game has ten guys, and they all put up three bucks every week to pay for the thirty dollars that it would require to make it fifteen hundred. Now let's say only five guys show up. Do they all have to put six dollars in? Because now I'm saying to myself, well, I've just entered twice for one week. Now I know I showed up, but does that work out? You know, I right. realize that it's a buy-in, so I'm going to guess one buy-in comes out each week, regardless of how many people are there. Right, so. but it says it comes out of the pot. So, all right. So, what you're saying is that when you play together for a tournament, the amount of money you've put in now is is significantly more than what you would have, because if you have a pot of, you know, let's say that everybody paid thirty bucks in first place for for ten, you know, for ten places, three hundred. So let's say it's two hundred dollars. Now, when it's five guys show up for the tournament. And you've all put in thirties, one hundred and fifty. You've you've put in significantly more because you're taking out. I mean, that's a lot more money. Do you get more money? Or you know, I mean, he said something about before about points. You get more. Do you get more points for putting in more money toward the prize pool? You know, I mean, I'm just wondering if there's a way to do that, or should you not not have a set amount of money? Should it be a percentage every week? that you take out instead of a certain amount of money. And then at the end of the year, you don't have it. Well, it's one buy-in. So I guess I'm kind of losing you. So if there's five people, they're still taking 30 out. If there's 10 people, you're still taking 30 right. out. So in other words, when I show up and play and all of us, four, the four other guys that showed up with me, we're all paying a significant more money toward right. yeah. this yeah. thing than yeah. the other guys who didn't show up. So you can literally show up for 25 of the weeks and someone else can show up for 50 of the weeks, they put in more money. They get more points, more which I understand that. That helps they get more units at the end. Well, not put in more money, but they, they, they have less value. Right. They've, they've sacrificed more of their prize pool because right. right. it's not a percentage. It's still the same number. So I would suggest, and I'm not saying anything, but I know they, they make it up with points, but it seems, it seems to me that there's a, an imbalance there. At the end of the year, you get to play one tournament with a decent edge to make this money, but... Is it really worth the, let's say, the extra 50% of your pay, prize pool that's going toward this, or whatever it is, percentage, that you've paid because you decide to show up for all the weeks and some guys didn't? Maybe instead you just take a percentage of the prize pool every week for the people who showed up. Then they're, all, they're always losing the same percentage of their okay. prize pool. Like like you know what I'm saying? That. Yeah, but then then you don't have that rosy one thousand now. Right, but, but you I don't know what it is. It could be twelve guys show up one week and then you're making more. I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah, you don't have that rosy number, but it's still a number at the end that everyone's fair share at, and everything is equal then. But other than that, 
I mean, it's it's a cool idea. I, we don't play tournaments ever anymore. Uh, Scott, I will apologize for Chris ruining your home game now. I did not ruin it. I improved it. <laughs> Throwing all these wrenches in. Only great going, minds. Yeah, how come we didn't think about that? Only great minds can appreciate true genius <laughs> when it comes upon them. All right, he says the other thing they do is they kick in a buck each week for a bullseye progressive jackpot. Everybody who was there at the start of the night draws a card. With the bullseye target chip going to the player who draws the ace of spades. If you were the bullseye that week and win, or if you knock out the guy who was the bullseye target for the week and win, you get the progressive jackpot. Most weeks there's not a winner of the bullseye pot, so it carries over to the next week. Nice. I mean, Ooh, a, ooh, a little extra something. something. Yeah, yeah. So every week that you show up, you're guaranteed to have to put, put money up before you even see a hand of poker. <laughs> this is a home game that Chris loves. Now, if you could if you could take money out of every pot for a Kentucky Derby yeah, pool, I was going to say it before you did, but you you just cut me off. You Chris would let loves me say this it. game. <laughs> no, I, it is cool though. You got guys who want to do that, then by all means. Of course, I would make it a high hand and for me, and I don't know. And, and I would make it where a five of kind is better than a royal. Yeah. So. Oh, believe me, we're still having that conversation. Weekly. So really, believe me. <laughs> hey, any updates? PokerRadius.com, which had hosted anti-ups group discussions on the internet, has shut down permanently. But we are happy to announce the creation of the anti-up fans Facebook group page, where those conversations will take place now. Fans can post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for anti-up fans. That's three words, anti-up fans, and join the group today. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, you know, here's the funny thing is, is back when we first uh, got to know uh, Jason at Poker Radius and I uh, love what he's doing, we had one of our ambassadors go, how come you just don't create a Facebook page? And at the time, I didn't think about a group page. I was thinking about a business page. I'm like, we already have a business page, and it, it's not really conducive to having public conversations. So uh, I was a little stupid in not thinking about the group thing at the time. But even at the time, I was telling him I really liked <clears throat> what Poker Radius was doing and Hopefully that they were going to be able to bring more people into the anti-up fold, and, and maybe they did. So obviously tragic what, what happened with their little cyber attack, and we wish Jason well and uh, thank him for everything he's done for us. But uh, uh, but now we've got this uh, – the Facebook page, I think, is going to be a good way for people to share ideas and communicate. So Yeah, and and we'll be sure to you know do abbreviated sort of recaps of the show on there and st- or stuff like that. If something really interesting comes up, too, to spark conversation and – so things are going to be on there, and I've always wanted us to have some sort of, you know, just fan thing. You know what I mean? Not, not just – didn't have to always be a forum. You know what I mean? It's a fan thing. So we're excited about it, and uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, go find us. Our 2018 Annie at Poker Cruise schedule is set, including a summer sailing to Cuba. Passengers on all sailings get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com a one-month membership to advanced poker training, and a quick-reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit antiupcruises.com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something awesome. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Antiup Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. comes from Anthony Lero. He says... I'm a child psychologist, and I've always been a cerebral type. So I would say I'm an intermediate player in that I have been playing for several years in my home game. Oh, another home game. Uh, So he said, I have always been an avid reader, so naturally I poured through tons of poker books and YouTube videos. 
Of the seven of us playing each time, I definitely have the greatest understanding of the nuances of what you guys are talking about each week. Oof. I don't even think we understand what we're talking about each week. <laughs> yeah, maybe these are... nuances. Yeah. <laughs> I play online for fun at PokerStars and have done well each time, but I'm never crushing my home game as I have read I need to do in order... Uh, as I, I'm trying to figure out what he says here. In order to move up to more competitive games. All right, so... As I have read, I need to do in order. All right, so I got. So he says we only play for sixty dollars. So I'm thinking that that is the problem. The several dollar raises are not that meaningful. Are the stakes not high enough to mean anything? Is that why their poor plays are working so often? I find myself playing a typical tight aggressive style, and they all see me as a very conservative player who has it when I raise. I am able to semi bluff as a result with marginal hands out of position, for example. Should I open my range up considerably? Shove more? Am I playing scared? Do I need to play hundreds more hands online? Um, all right, so my answer to him was he has to decide what he wants to get out of this game. So it seems to me by his description that there are a number of people in this game that are there just to have fun for the night, be there with the guys, have a couple beers, whatever, right? Right. Not take the game seriously. Um, now, obviously, Anthony's trying to take the game seriously, so um, you can't make other people at the game take it seriously, right? If they're just there to have fun, and they're going to be there to have fun. So either you can decide that you just want to have fun with them, and that play, now you can mix up your play a little bit and not worry about trying to get results out of it. Just You're there just for the fun. Um, or if you want to make it, if do that, then I think you might need to have another option to go play. I mean, right now there's two options seem to play poker stars for free and this low buy-in home game. So if he's trying to get to that next level, um, I don't think either one of these are going to work for him. Um, but if he doesn't have another option and he, he's trying to make this game play optimally, now he has to, I think, in my opinion, we'll see what you say. I think he has to resign himself to the fact that it is going to be a difficult game to play your best at and still beat because of the variance of the crazy players. Uh, I agree with you. One thing I would tell him is, like you said, if he has no other choice than what he's doing right now, one, then I don't know why you want to become a better player because there's there's no other choice, then what's the point? But That's true. Right? I mean, if you're never going to be able to play elsewhere, then... You're always going to play with your buds for 60 bucks, and you're always going to play on Poker Stars, and you never really, you know, unless you say, hey, I'm going to move to an area that has more poker rooms like, you know, Central Florida or Jersey or whatever, then, you know, just just sit back and have fun with your friends and try to win. If 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 you think you can get better and you, or you, you want to get better and you have places to play better, first thing I would do is stop playing for fun on Poker Stars. That's the first thing I would do because that, that – Although it's hilarious to see the suckouts and to lose all of your chips to somebody who's playing crappy hands, and it's it's not making you a better player at all, and it's deteriorating your skills. Now, I understand that your friends that you're playing with may actually fit into that model of the way that people play on Poker Stars, but they really aren't because there is something they're playing for. They are human beings that you're looking at. You know, you're you're watching them for tells, betting patterns, whatever it is. It's a different animal. Even if they are the same level of the guys you're playing for or for fun on stars, they're not. Stop playing on stars. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is, if you're not having success in this game anyway, 
then change your game completely. I, I would go into this game and be, all right, now I'm going to be the maniac this week. I'm going to see how it works this week playing as a maniac. I'm going to keep raising until these guys are going to be like, wait a minute, isn't he the isn't he the tight, aggressive guy that's always conservative? What, 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 he, there's no way he's picking up all these hands. And then they're going to start guessing. Even though they're fun players and they're there to have fun and they're not really that good and they're making these bad plays, you start being the guy that makes the guys making bad plays question things. Now you've totally threw a wrench into this game. That's one week. The next week, you become the guy that's super aggressive but shows bluffs. You got you got to get them to say, oh, he's a, he's, he's capable of bluffing because you're talking about you're able to semi-bluff with marginal hands. Well, that means that, okay, so you're raising with potential and you're probably getting there or they're folding to your next bet because they know you're tight. Now start showing bluffs so they'll start playing with you more. Now hmm. that they're playing, you know what I mean? You, you've got to break out of your box to play against these type of people because if you just keep playing your same way and you're only winning once in a while and they're being rewarded for crap, no, I wouldn't say shove more. Um, and I don't know if you're playing scared because you asked that question at the end. But if you are and you're still losing, then why not play confidently and lose and find out <laughs> what's working out? But right. no, do not play hundreds of more hands online. That is not the answer. Fun poker online is never the answer. Ever. Well, I, I guess the only thing I would disagree is he's obviously getting more hands in by playing online. But you need to play it not – don't judge your success by the number of chips you're winning there. But by practicing what you need to practice. You know, playing – spend one night just playing small pocket pairs or pocket pairs and figuring out how – Use it as a lab, I guess, rather than a game. Because um, there is value to that. The, the The problem is is that when you try to play it like a normal game, you have to... And it's the same thing probably as this home game. If you play it like a normal game, you're either going to get frustrated because you're not winning, or you're being forced to play a style that is regressive to your, your poker progress, right? Yeah. So, I mean... So I, I think to your other point is, you know, now you've switched up your game to be a winning player in this home game, and now you go to Las Vegas, and boom. <laughs> now you're playing poorly because you, you trained yourself to play poorly to win the home game. I guess that was my ultimate point from the beginning, so you got to decide what you want to do in that. Um, and, and if you don't play poorly, clear, then you're going to have to lose 60 bucks probably. To be clear, nothing I said meant to play poorly in the game. I meant to right. play, no, I, I said to play but, differently. I mean, you know what I mean? Exactly. So now that you've mastered these other ways of playing against these people, believe me, when you go to Vegas or wherever you go to play, I mean, he probably has a place to play, and we're going over this for nothing, but <laughs> when you go somewhere else to play, you're going to come up against players who play like they play in your home game. You are. And so then you're going to need to be that player. But then you're going to say, whoa, which player do I need to be today? You know, you need to have like that, like that colonel flag from MASH where you have all these these different IDs on you, then you can all these different personas. You need to pull that out when you need it. When you when you sit down at a home game and they're all terrible and they're all loose, you got to be tight. When you sit down at a home game and they're all tight, you need to be loose. You need to be the opposite of what the table is. And so you're going to need that skill when you go somewhere else to play anyway. So practicing them against these guys for sixty bucks, you know, you said it in yourself. We only play for sixty dollars. So I'm thinking it's not too much of a of a burden on you to play for that 60 bucks when you do play with your friends. So if it's not that big of a deal, use it as an education. And then if you lose, you say, well, what did I learn today? I learned this for 60 bucks or whatever, and then move on. But those skills will make you a better player if you change the way you play from week to week. And if you keep playing the same way, 
they're going to be able to figure out too whether they're good or bad or not. So that's what I would do. I, but I would I would definitely like Scott said, if you're going to play Poker Stars, then you need to play for situations. Like okay, I'm in this situation. Maybe play without even thinking about your cards. You know what I mean? You know, do things like that where the situation rewards you, not the chips. Because really, you, those people will play any two cards just because they want to put a sick beat on you and laugh. And you know what I mean? It's not real poker. So I would never use that. The results of that, I would use the situational results. So anyway, good luck with that. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This is Larry. He says, I was playing a tournament at a casino and the player next to me had a very large pit bull sitting next to him with a service animal tag on it. The player told me he was suffering from PTSD. After returning from a break, there was now a second very large pit bull sitting, pit bull sitting next to the other one, and the man told me that he was training to be a service dog. I had a very traumatic experience with a pit bull as a child, and their presence made me uncomfortable. During another break, I asked a floor about it, and he said because they were service animals, he couldn't ask them to leave, and because it was a tournament, he couldn't reseat me away from them. All right, Elliot says, this is a very touchy situation. It appears as though this was a comfort animal, not a service dog. Uh, from the ADA.gov website, quote, the crime deterrent effects of an animal's presence and the provision of emotional support, well-being, comfort, or companionship are not considered work or task on the definition of a service animal. Also, the following, quote, service animals are defined as dogs that are individually trained to do work or perform tasks for people with disabilities. Examples of such work or tasks include guiding people who are blind, alerting people who are deaf, pulling a weird wheelchair, <clears throat> alerting um, and protecting a person who is having a seizure, reminding a person with mental illness to take prescribed medications, calming a person with post-traumatic stress disorder during an anxiety attack, or performing other duties. Service animals are working animals, not pets. The worker task a doll has dog has been trained to provide must be directly related to that person's disability. Dogs whose sole function is to provide comfort or emotional support do not qualify as service animals under the ADA. Uh, it continues, I could not find any provision allowing for complete accommodation for trainee service animals, however. Service animals are guaranteed access to all establishments and cannot be made to exit unless they become uncontrollable. I feel for you. This, is a, this had to be uncomfortable, uh, very uncomfortable. It was only the second dog, the training animal, that ultimately didn't have an absolute right to be there. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Two people who in their lives have been seriously affected by a traumatic experience, one of them gets relief and the other doesn't. And yeah, well, not I, I mean, doesn't, but is creates anxiety for the other person. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he it's what I'm saying. He, he's had a problem in the past with the dogs, and so now he's he's needs to be relieved of this situation and they, they won't relieve it you know i mean to me i'd be like uh as a as a i don't know i mean it, there is there's is rule number one in the, in the you know in the tda rules you know do what's best for the game you know hey tell the guy hey, next time you have a seat change or a seat move or something let him let him move you know i mean is he really coming up to you as an angle shooter and saying what's the odds that there's going to be a dog in the poker room and it's going to be seated at your table, and that dog, that particular species of dog or whatever, you know, is the one that gave you trauma as a as a child, and now throughout your life. I mean, so obviously he's not angle shooting and being a jerk about it, or just trying to get away from a difficult table. He sincerely walked up to the guy and said, "I have an issue with this. 
can you please move me? And they're like, no. Are you serious? No. Why? Because this guy has a dog and I don't? You know, I mean, I, I should be able to be moved too. I have an issue too. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like they should have made some sort of effort to move him. Yeah, I, I think you and Elliot are both right. This is a very difficult situation. And I think it's only going to get worse because uh, the number of um, emotional support or therapy dogs or pets or whatever it is are, are skyrocketing. Um, and um, And it's obvious that some of them are purely pets <laughs> um be honest right um and what i think is interesting about this is i actually read an article it was a couple of days ago actually about this where it said specifically like that this is becoming a problem now that so many people um you can go literally go on the website there's a website out there where you can buy a service animal tag for your dog and with no you know, it, it's nothing. It's just a product to buy. Right, right. No papers to prove that dog has been served. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and it's causing problems for people who actually really need this help, whether it's a service animal or a therapy animal, because it's creating, um, you know, anger among other people out there. And I'll admit I'm one of them. I travel quite a lot, right? And I'm allergic to dogs. And um, there's probably not a – I've taken – Hundreds of flights this year, and I don't remember one that hasn't been a dog on that flight that was not in the little carrier, but was actually a service or therapy or whatever you want to call it, dog. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes me uncomfortable, and the real tough spot is you don't know whether that person is legit or not. And I don't want to deny anybody who has a legit reason for needing, certainly, a service dog um, uh, to a lesser degree the therapy thing. But um, but how do you know? How do you know? And now if there are people out there, and and some of these places where you can buy the tags too, they give you a fake certificate saying that you're certified. So if you're if you're the average like gatekeeper at a business, you know now we have to get training on what is it's like a counterfeit bill or a fake ID, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and I've been places where someone's denied them to come in, and it is not a pretty sight. There's arguments and fights, and you can't deny me I need the dog, and that's a tough spot to put the, the employee in as well, too, right? Because yeah. now we don't know. Um, I really don't know the solution, but I will say what came out of that article is something that I think we've been saying on the show before, too. You have to protect your own, right? So where this really needs to get cleaned up, and I think that was the point of the article, is the folks that really need this are the ones that need to take the biggest stand on making sure that the people that are abusing it are taken out of the scenario, right? Yeah. And it's what we talk about on poker here, too. I mean, we can either rally around bad poker players and tell people to not whatever to them, or we can, we can be the biggest critics of bad poker players because we want to weed them out so people don't think less of us, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the scenario here. I, it's not going to help Larry here, I don't think. It's it, it's going to become a scenario. I mean, I I've played in poker tournaments where people have dogs sitting on their laps, and you know, so so far I haven't had a sneezing attack yet. But I'm going to apologize to somebody sometime, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, I I don't I don't know what to do. I mean, I think you might be right. There might be a uh, um, rule number one's interesting. I mean. I guess you could pick somebody up and move them because of that. Um, that might be the best scenario here. 
But, you know, I guess you play that out is now once you tell someone, hey, yeah, I told my I didn't like the dog, so they moved me. You know, now enough people start hearing that and like, okay, well, I don't like this table. <laughs> and there's a dog there, so I'm going to go say, hey, I need to be moved. So that's the, the downside of that, too. So no no winning on anything in here. I problem. It's too bad. We get to a complete O'Malley's move, though, so there's some good news. Here's part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1-$2 No Limit Hold'em cash game. This is our home game, and it's a pretty friendly one. We bought in for $200 and currently sit with $175. The game is six-handed. There's a live button straddle to $4. The small blind calls, big blind calls, and we're under the gun with the eight of spades, seven of spades. We call the $4, it's folded to the button straddle, who checks, and we see a flop of the six of spades, four of spades, tray of diamonds. The blinds check, and with $16 in the pot, we are at our first decision. The button is a solid player who likes to play things tricky. Just because he didn't raise preflop doesn't mean he doesn't have a solid hand. He likes to play different hands in all types of different ways. We are going to check here with the intention of check raising. We normally would put out a bet here, but we know this opponent will c-bet this flop, and this is probably our best chance at ending the hand. We check, and the button makes it $10 to go, leaving him about $250 behind. It's folded to us, and we think for a short time before making it $30 to go. Our opponent begins his typical talking, trying to get a read on us. We remain still and silent. He finally decides to call, and with about $75 in the pot, the turn is the deuce of clubs. So, there's $75 in the pot. We've invested about 30 into this one, and have roughly 140 behind. What's the move? I'm not entirely sure what the upside was for us to check-raise as it put us in the situation now where we had to slow down or keep up the aggression with an unmade hand. Uh, sure, if we would have hit her straight or flush, we'd look like geniuses, uh, but we didn't, so now what? Uh, I'm going to check because I think it'll make our opponent put in a smaller bet so we can get to the river as cheaply as possible. I'm betting. Anything else looks really fishy, and the check would allow the opponent to try to steal. I, I would like to, I would likely still call that bet. Uh, why not just try to take it down here? I'd bet like 45, I don't know, 55. Um, we have a flush straight and straight flush draw if we get called. So let's, let's, uh, let's be aggressive. Let's be proactive. Here it goes. <laughs> see, see what happens. Hello again. We've set this up perfectly. Had he re-raised our check raise on the flop, we would be in a much tougher situation. Since he just called, he's not entirely confident in his hand, and the deuce probably didn't help him. We settle on a bet of $50 and put that into the pot. Our opponent hymns and haws for quite a while before throwing his hand away. We take it down. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying it always pays to know your opponents. I hope to see you on the felt. Okay, I'll admit I see the genius here. Um, I, I guess I'm still not ready to abandon my preferred way of playing this hand, but I'll give props to O'Malley. Uh, I guess the one thing I'll say about um, it being really fishy is, I don't know if that's a bad thing, right? I mean... All right, so it's fishy. So what is it? What, what is the opponent going to do now if we check there? You know I, what I mean? Yeah, I know. 
I know. I mean, maybe maybe they're so confused by it that they'll check behind and it gives us a free card to catch up. That's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. And if we miss, we could still bluff uh, on the river if we want. Um, or that they they will bet. I don't think they're going to bet more than what O'Malley bet and what you wanted to bet. So, um, I, I, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. I think in your own passive way, you called me a genius too. <laughs> I don't know. It, I'm trying to figure it out. A passive way because it would not be a uh, overt. <laughs> Promise you that. You know, there are there are just so many ways you could have played this hand. I just I always like to be the aggressor, and I like if I take it down right there with with small hand like this, and then only a draw. I mean, it's a big, huge draw. Let's, let's not be coy about it but i'm just saying right now we still have nothing and if i could just take a pot down you know i'm happy so well, i guess you know i guess that's the again this is like a three are you willing to, to fire three bullets with nothing kind of hand right yeah because i mean there's no guarantee that when we bet now that we're going to make our hand on the river and then at that point now if you slow down now it looks that's more of a green light i think to steal the pot from us right yeah and at that point the only way you can win now is either the bet or or check and slow down and then hope that he bets and then you raise. I mean, there's no there's no showdown value with any high here, I don't think, right? right. So have to bet and then just hope that the guy gives up, which happens. You know, it's, it could be effective. It's just now we, we put in, you know, so you bet 40, whatever. He bet 50 here, and we already put in, what, uh, 30? So it's 80 we already have involved in an 8-high hand, right? Mm-hmm. And now, if he would have called, now the river, now what we have to put in? 7,500? With yeah. 8 high? Yeah. You know, if we don't hit, if we do hit, it's great, you know. And I'm generally in favor of betting draws. I mean, that's one of the things I've learned from Omaha and it, I think is underutilized and hold them. So I, I don't mind that. I just, it's tough when you're out of position. I, I like the check raise when I'm in position. I do that all day long in Omaha. Because now it slows down and it gets you the free card. But when you're out of position, it doesn't get you a free card. How are you in position in check raising? No, I mean raise. I'm not check raising, but raising. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, how are you check raising in position all the what time? What are you talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. No, um, no, no. I mean raising there, and then because then that slows everybody down. They're like, yeah, yeah. You get the people. I'll check to the razor, and I'm yeah. like, great, it's not a razor yeah. anymore. Yeah. Check behind. My free card play works every time. Right. Okay. It does. It's it's an oldie. It's an oldie trick, but it it does work quite a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it never works when you're out of position, you know, because you know now now you either have to like check as you said and it looks fishy um, or weak or whatever, and um, or you got to keep the aggression up, and that's that's the opposite of a free card. <laughs> now you're you're making that card more expensive now. Right. But there is something to be said, I guess, with this flop that we've got a lot of a lot of outs to hit at some point. So you know, it's it's maybe it's not a bad thing to, to commit a lot, but. It's just when you miss, you you, you miss twice, and now now on the river you have eight high. Yeah. Well, that's when you uh, you gotta grit your teeth and shove that money in the middle. <laughs> and that's the whole point of playing. I mean, it, you you're building a pot and you're letting them know that you have it, and you know some people don't have the stomach for it. Some people look at that money as real money and not tools, and they do what they got to do. But in this case, I think the bet was right. I, I mean, I just don't. The check raise is always scary because you think they're not gonna, they're not gonna check, and then you give them the free card, you know. Um, but I'm I'm a full firm believer in betting and building a pot when I have a huge draw. 
Well, the best part of O'Malley's move is I totally forgot to call up the hand of the week, so I had plenty of time during this discussion <laughs> to, to find it. So it's time, for, <laughs> it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Good friend Ed Riddler's back, and he's got a limit hand this time. Yeah. Oh, wow, limit hand. Oh, uh, man, it's a tournament hand, too. Wow. Jeez. Where, where are you playing a limit hold'em tournament? Let me know. I want to be there in a minute. Maybe it's horse. Could be horse. Yeah, it's true. All right, so he says, I'm playing a limit hold'em tournament. I started the hand with 925 in chips after having been pretty dead in the flop lately. Uh, blinds are 6120, and I'm third to act when it's folded to me with nine of clubs, nine of hearts. Oh, we're raising. Of course, right? Yeah, we're raising. It's a mi- li- limit, so make it at one, 120, I guess, right? Yeah, we want to thin this field. We got a, we got a good hand, but it's a vulnerable hand, so... Let's thin the field and uh, build a pot for when we win. Yep. Um, all right, that's how he does. I raised the 240. The button calls. Everyone else folds. So we're heads up. Uh, the button player started the hand with squiggly 1400, so has this covered. Flop is the jack of hearts. Eight of clubs, seven of hearts, and we are first to act. All right, so let's see. We raised 240. We got one caller. So there's 480 and then... Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just betting. I got a draw. We don't have top pair, but we have a pair that's not that's disguised as middle pair, kind of. So I'm betting. I, I raise pre flop. I'm taking control of it. I'm betting my limit bet of 120. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, you're, you're generally going to bet all the time here, anyhow. And the fact that uh, we, we have a draw here helps a little bit. And um, unless he has a jack, we we probably still have the best hand as it is with that improving. So this is this is an easy bet for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and that's exactly what we do, and we are called. So we go to the turn, uh, which is the four of hearts. So our board now is seven of hearts, eight of clubs, seven of hearts, four of hearts, and remember we have the nine of hearts in our hand, and uh, we are first act. I still bet. I, I just, I just still bet. I know it's two forty, and I mean, I, I guess we got to take into consideration how much we have in chips. But I mean, if we raise a two forty, bet one twenty, we've already bet three sixty, we've already bet a third of our stack. You know, I mean, I, I know limit hold'em is about extracting bets and saving bets, but if the guy had a jack, I feel like he might have tried to bet or raise to get value for this hand and protect it because it's. it's draw a heavy board really no reason for him not to bet a jack yeah or jack, to raise a jack so i don't know and why he wouldn't have yeah so our nines could still be good now he could have made his flush here and we get raised so then we call check call and then you know, that's what you do i mean that's so i mean i'm gonna bet my t- i mean i could just check call check call you know to try to save money There's nothing wrong with that it's just you got to get your value when you can if you don't believe he has a jack why not bet and then if he's got a, a random heart that's bigger than yours, you got to make him pay to hit that final heart. So, um, I don't know. Maybe a check's in order, but I, I'm I'm just really aggressive. Guess, yeah, I need to know more about the player here. So if we're in, in a in a position to know a player here, I mean, it, where where chip stacks don't matter, I'm definitely betting here, and right. I don't mind getting raised, and I'll call, and then you know if I hit my straight or another heart comes and I feel like I'm I'm better then I'll be willing to check check call the river just to see whether I showdown value 
the wrinkle here, though, is, is what you mentioned is our chip stack. So, you know, we are down to below 600 now, where we are now. Right. So if we bet now and he raises, so that's 240 at that point. If we bet now, we are committed. So that that's the decision point here. Are, are we committing to this hand? And just hoping that our our nines are either good or our straight could be good if it gets there, or even the flush could be good if it gets there. If that if that's the case, then you might as well just bet here, and maybe you'll fold and you'll have to improve, and you get it. And if he raises, then it is what it is, and and hopefully you've got a chance to catch up on the river. If um, but if not, then you know this is the time where we need to check and and save our chips. We still have four four-ish big blinds here and and maybe you have another shot you know we've got a lot invested here so i think i'm going to lead towards just committing and hoping it's the best you know this happens a lot in limit tournaments when you get low you know you i've seen so many people in horse tournaments go out in the in the limit hold'em round because you just you see a hand and you stick with it and next thing you know the bets add up and bam your your stack's gone so yeah I, I, it is the stack that's that's the biggest wrinkle. You, you I agree. It it it's made me. I stopped for a second there when I was like, why not just check call, check call, because the amount of money you have, you know, this is still going to be a significant pot no matter what you do. So why not get away for the minimum? So I would say, yeah, I would say let's just check call. I, I what we think of here? Let's check call. I mean, generally in limit two, people get worried about these hands as well too. So there's no. It's not automatic that if we check here that our opponent's going to bet. I mean, they could check behind as well, too. Yeah, he may uh, suck out for an ace-high flush, and you're screwed, but, you true, know, but yeah. you're saving uh, money. But, yeah, so at this point, I mean, if we're going to put any more money in to this pot, we need to commit to putting the last Five, I mean, nine, two, two, bets, two bets and change, really. Yeah. So so that that's the, decision. that's the decision point you have to make. And I could argue either one, I guess, but... At this point, there's a pretty big pot, I think, now. So, I mean, we are at 240, 480 plus the blinds. Six, and then another, and about 900 here. So, I mean, we would double up on this hand, obviously. Yeah, you know? yeah we would basically. Yeah. So, um, and that seems pretty significant now. I don't know where we are in it. I mean, we, he didn't give us any information, right, as far as how many no, people players were. players or anything, no. So, so, those would be some decision points I would like to have as well, too. But, um with what we know here now, um, you know, I'm. I think I'm. I'm all in on this hand. I'm. I'm going to bet here, and if I get raised, I'm calling. And all right, I'm, I'm going to reverse though. I'm going to say check call. Let's just check call and then see what check. And then if he bets call, and if he checks behind, then hope no heart falls on the end because your nine probably isn't high enough. Um, yeah. But I, I I feel like if I check call check call, it's four hundred. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm folding. So, but here's an interesting thing too. You could bet here and get raised and still not be eliminated on this hand. Yeah, no, not a great so, move. You have so no, little left though. It's not a great move, but it is a possibility, right? So, I mean, there is a way to thread the needle on that. I mean, you could you could bet the two forty, call it two forty, that's four eighty, and you still have like a small blind left. And then if you don't hit your straight or flush on the river. You can give up. I mean, at that point, it's probably not worth it. I mean, it's not worth it. But it is a it is an interesting thing to keep in your back of your mind. So yeah, yeah. 
a, a very bad insurance policy, like one of those ones that they uh, they sold on the movie Rainmaker, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that movie. It was great, isn't it? Yeah, it was a good movie. This has to be the longest discussion we've ever had on the turn in our lives. I'm sorry, I, yeah, I know. I looked at this hand when I called it up. It's only five lines, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> man, whatever. We can draw anything out, can't we? Wow. All right, our hero bets, um, and the opponent just calls. So no mm-hmm. raise. So that's good. So we still have some chips to play with here. The river is the ace of clubs. So the final board is jack of hearts, eight of clubs, seven of hearts, four of hearts, ace of clubs. And it is on us. Well, now we just check all. You can't fold for all that money in case he tries to bluff you at the end and, you know, whatever. And if you lost, you lost. But there's no way I'm betting. I might as well just check call and save. If I can check check and get behind, it's a decent pot, and we saved some money if we're, if we're out. I don't see any reason to bet now. Two overs, the typical card that everyone plays, you know, is an ace. Guy could have had ace, uh, ace of hearts in his hand with, like, you know, something random like a 10, like ace 10. So he was making, he could have straight draw, which is why he played it and stuck around. So, um, totally, totally just checking here. I am not betting. I might as well just, if I have to call in the end, I'll still have a couple of bets left to try to double through one more time and get back to normal. So I'm not betting. Um, here's the other interesting thing that no limit home players don't really realize about limit too, is that decent limit players, are less likely to make this river bet if they have nothing. If we check, I mean, our opponent, right? Right. And obviously, if our opponent has an ace here or any kind of part of his board, he's probably going to to bet. But if he's on a busted draw, um, the chances of that bet winning at this point, when all that money is in, are limited. Now, the only thing that our opponent has in his favor right now is he knows if he makes that bet, then we're it's for our tournament life. So, could happen. So, um. But there is there is a case to be made that uh, we could check here and and have a decent chance of a check behind, and so we have more money. And you're right, if he any bets, we still have money, and we'll make that call and hope the nines are good. Yeah. All right, we're both checking then. All right, uh, here it says I feel like I've been walked at this point. Bare minimum, the button could have an ace here uh, with three twenty five left in my stack. I check the button bets, and it's back to us. Yeah, it's just too much money to fold. You're not. I mean, the fact that you have three. What do you say? Three twenty. Three twenty-five left. Yeah. So two forty. So you're basically just going to be all in on next hand anyway. And if you if you fold, you're basically all in on next hand you play anyway. And it's only three something. You know. So yeah, you could fold, but there's so much now in the pot. Yeah. Here's the thing: is I'm a short stack ninja, but this is a situation where you got to look at your two options. Uh, your first option is to fold here, have 325 left, and you're right. You can make a raise, but once you make that raise, you're all in on the flop with that hand. So that next hand, you're in no matter what on the flop without seeing the turn in the river, right? Yeah. Um, and then have to hold. Now, there's some upside. You could get three or four callers and triple or quadruple up, so that's a consideration. Or you can go ahead and take the call here when you know how big the pot is. You know the hand is done here. You've got a hand that there's two overs, um, but that's really it. So you is it better to take the chance? You would obviously love to have a better hand here, but it, it's a decent hand with a with a big pot or fold and then take a shot at the unknown. So um, I, I think I would. Re- it, it, it's going to be unfortunate to go out of this tournament with with this hand. Well, actually, we're not going to go out. We, well, 
bus yeah, change. We'll have but, one all in left. <laughs> that's not even the big, but, barely the big uh, one. But that's how limit works, unfortunately. You know, it's it's just the way it works. So, I mean, I I think we played this well, and hopefully our nines are good. So yeah, and the other thing too is the guy could have an eight. It's possible he doesn't believe you. He could have an eight. You know, he could have something like nine eight. You know, I know it's your nine is out too, but it could be nine eight. It could be something like that. Uh, he could be bluffing. He could be missing. He could have a random, you know, queen ten. You just don't know. So. And he, he may have a big stack that we don't know about here, so he could just be putting more bet in hoping that you'll fold because he knows he can't win without betting. Who knows? So you, you, I know it's a bluff catcher, but they're, you're getting such good odds that that's the bluff catching odds that you have to go by to make a call here. So well, it makes limit different than limit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm calling. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, I end up folding after some deliberation. He says, "I say I'm really getting outplayed." Button says, "Nah, I got lucky. I had the Casenza Ace Ten. Uh, I don't know if Chris had ace of 10 of hearts or was just really stubborn with just the ace uh, of hearts, but uh, my first Papes tournament, I didn't last very long. I still had fun. I wonder, uh, did I mess up betting the turn here? My friends all play no limit hold them, and I have very little experience in limit games, which is why I want to start playing these Papes more often. Wow. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the hand, too. And and that was the thing was I had – I was now that's the part I talked about at the end of the hand here was I was flush with chips flush and i was having fun and this is the one i won the event i won and uh i had so many chips that when he raised i'm like i got ace 10 it'll be a great story for the show plus i'm in position and i just won a huge pot and i was chip leader in the tournament and we were shorthanded because there's two guys either sat out or whatever but we were shorthanded at the table i thought ace 10's a good hand but i didn't feel like raising with it again so i just called him so it comes i have a gutter right and I have uh, ace ten. Of, I had ace ten with the ace of hearts. So I had, I think it was ace of hearts. Is it that or a ten of hearts? But I had, one of them was heart. So I had a gutter, an over, and and I was flush with chips. And it's a limit. So he bets one twenty, and I think, uh, you know what? I'll I'll call one twenty to try to hit the over, or try to hit the straight one time. He's already raised it, so I'm getting decent odds on my money to try to do this once in a limit tournament. And if I miss, I'll fold here. Then it came a heart, and I was like, whoa. All right, well, now I've got the nut flush draw, right? I got the nut flush draw. I got a straight draw. I think it was the Ace of Hearts. I got a straight draw, and I've got a ton of chips. So he bet, he, he, he bets 240. I'm like, I got to call now. I call, and I hit the Ace, and I felt bad. So then when he checked, I'm like, I got him now because he yeah. can't possibly have anything. So I bet out, and then he folded. And I was like, have, wow. You didn't, get, you didn't get that 240 that we would have yeah. got out of us. So. Yeah, I was impressed he folded. I was like, wow, dude, I don't think I can get away from that hand, but. Um, yeah, I remember the hand, and I, it, it's funny because I wasn't sure when you said limit tournament, and then it was Ed, and I started. I was like, wait a minute. So, but yeah, I remember, especially when you said Chris had the Casenza, and I brought that up during the discussion too that the Ace Ten might be out there just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was my hand. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> so what's funny about this is you know I stored these up for a while, so I, I totally forgot that part, and I don't reread them before we get on the show. Obviously, as people yeah, can tell, yeah. they're acting like we're idiots talking about these things. So that was a nice little uh, surprise for me. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... 
send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.